We hear in our second reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans, love is the fulfillment of the law. When we speak of law, we speak of rules and regulations that guide a society, that guides a way of life. So how can love become the fulfillment of the law? How can love be the answer to all things? What is subtle and interesting is St. Paul invites us to track the history of the law. During Jesus' time, the book of the law consisted of thousands and thousands and thousands of rules and regulation to guide the lives of the Jewish people. The only person that understood and knew exactly what those laws are were the high priest. So how do we come to understand the law? During Jesus' time, the law was for those who were righteous. How do I make myself look good? How do I become holy in the eyes of God? And if we begin to track farther and farther back into the Old Testament, we begin to see what the law was truly meant for. Because it's not the same way we understand law. It's not a rule or regulation that is put out there so that when you break the law, it's a penal law. It causes you to be punished for what you didn't do. It's not something to chain you to order and regulations. It's not something that is pointed out at you. You're a bad person because you did X, Y, and Z thing. But we see the origin of the law comes from Moses and the Ten Commandments. But even with the Ten Commandments, it points to something even earlier in Genesis. Our own creation. Our own being created by God himself. So what the law was, was a covenant between God and man. So that man knows how to respond to God. So I want to take us a step back even further and ask the question... Why did God create us then? What is the importance of our existence? If you've studied the Catechism, you know God created us to know, to love, and to serve Him in this life and in the life to come. But in its very simplest form, God created us for love, to be loved, and out of love. So God created us so that we can freely and choose to respond to God's love. But instead, what do we do as humanity? What do we find ourselves doing? Instead of choosing to love God, we choose to love ourselves. We see that very clearly when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. We see that true story continue through the journey of Exodus, the flight out of Egypt. What is the reason? We wanted to love ourselves. Instead of responding to God's love, we crafted a golden calf. We built the Tower of Babel. We turned ourselves away from God. And yet God still remains faithful to us till the end. So how does love fulfill the law? Love fulfills the law by allowing us to understand why we are loved and how we are to love. St. Paul puts in a couple of the commandments at the end. 
Do not commit adultery. Why? The sin of adultery is making someone else's wife my own. Lusting over someone else's wife as an object of my desire, as a piece of flesh, and not respecting them for who they are. As someone created in the image and likeness of God, and therefore is deserving of our love and respect. Love is the fulfillment of the law because the law was put together so that we can learn how to love. Thou shalt not steal. In his positive life, thou should love and respect the gifts that God has blessed us. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt speak the truth and love the person for who they are and make sure they know of our love and if it hurts, we still have to speak the truth. All these things are examples for us, are guideposts in our lives to illustrate for us how to love others. And for that reason, it becomes the fulfillment of the law but what is the greatest commandment? To love God above all things and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So I want us to look at the crucifix behind us, the most beautiful symbol, sign, and guide to what it means to love. We see this vertical piece this illustration in the fact that our love begins in first and foremost with our relationship with God. We learn to truly love someone by our relationship with God. Because if we turn to our left, turn to our right, look to the person in front of us, and look at the person behind us, we all are imperfect. We love others to the best of our abilities, but even that we still fall short of loving our husband, our wife, our children, the way God has called us and intended for us. But it's only in our relationship with God do we find perfect love. What it means to truly love. An unconditional, self-sacrificial gift of oneself to the other, wanting the best for the other without counting the cost. Can we really be self-sacrificial with our spouse? We try to, but sometimes we get selfish. We try to give ourselves completely over to our spouse, but how many times can we speak of our deep, darkest secrets, our imperfection, our brokenness to our spouse, and for both parties to accept us as who we are? How many times can we truly want the best for the other, because sometimes that best may lead to envy, jealousy. So instead of wanting them to grow, we'll just club them at the knee and keep them at the same level. Keep them at our level. But it's only in our relationship with God do we learn how to do it better. Then we see the horizontal piece. Our love relationship does not just stop at our relationship with God. But that love relationship then overflows and fills into our other relationships with our brothers and sisters. If God loves us through our imperfection, 
our brokenness, our sinfulness. Should we not therefore mirror that love and love our brothers and sisters when they hate us, when they cause us pain, suffering? Should we not love them the same way? Should we not see Christ in and through them? But it's so easy for us to say, if you hurt me, I'm going to go out and hurt you. If you broke my heart, I'm going to break your heart even more. So how is that love then? But we see that when our love relationship with God overflows, those moments when our enemies hurt us, we can still love them with the same Christ-like love. We don't see them as enemies, but we see them as sons and daughters of God who are deserving of our love and respect. But just because we have the vertical piece and the horizontal piece, it doesn't mean we have a crucifix. What we have in front of us is a cross. What differs from a cross and a crucifix is the fact that there is a corpus on this crucifix. A crucifix has a corpus. That corpus is the body of Christ. The man who walked on this earth to illustrate for us, to demonstrate for us, and show us exactly what it means to love. How that law is fulfilled by love. How we can love God above all things and to love our neighbor as ourselves. He shows us by his own example of what that means. And we see that very clearly as we read through Scripture. It's not an easy task. We hear it in our Gospel reading today from the Gospel of St. Matthew. When our brothers and sisters sin, we come confront them one-on-one. -on -one. If they don't listen, we bring another person to come. Is that easy to do? Is that easy to confront our brothers and sisters in their brokenness, in their weakness, in their imperfection? It's not easy to, but we do it out of love. We see Christ do it. We see the journey of love to Calvary is not an easy journey. There's trials, there's tribulations, there are difficulties. Jesus falls three times on the way to Calvary. This life of love that we're called to live out today is not going to be an easy one. But yet, we're called to do so. We hear the first line of St. Paul today, owe, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. The only debt you should be having is the debt in the fact that you owe others the love that God has for you. You owe someone the love that they are due. They should be loved by God because you see God in and through them. And for that reason, you should love them unconditionally just as God has loved you. So my dear brothers and sisters, as we continue our journey as disciples, we're living a life of love. A love that God has had for each and every one of us from the beginning of time. A love that we're coming to find, coming to go back to. A love that is illustrated and demonstrated for us by Jesus' death on the cross. 
We don't deserve that love. We're not worthy of that love. But God still loves us unconditionally. He loves us, very cliche, recklessly. So what are we, my dear brothers and sisters, going to do to respond to that love? How are we going to live our lives today in response to that invitation of love? How do we give back to God that love that he has blessed us, overfilled us, and given us so generously even when we don't deserve it? even when we're not perfect, and even when we decide to turn our back to him, betray him, and yet he still loves us unconditionally.